Well, good evening everybody and welcome to our second Lent Talk. Um, as you know, we have this series of talks when we invite some special guests to uh, share a bit about their story and, uh, and what's on their mind at the moment. Uh, we've got speakers coming from uh, near and far. Um, last week we had Alex Cabinier, who's the National Director of Safeguarding. This week we've gone with the near option. <laughs> Um, and we have, we have our own Joe Hughes, um, and next week we're going to have uh, Sandra Crawford, who's from the Baptist Union. But Joe, as you know, you all know Joe, recognise Joe. Um, Joe's going to be talking to us uh, a little bit about uh, her podcast, Gloriously Unready, which is about uh, the experience of parenting young transgender adults. Uh, and uh, just as a point of interest, I believe that in November, that was uh, one of the Guardian's top five podcasts. So, uh, so hooray for that. Um, so we look forward to, uh, to, to hearing from Joe in a minute. And uh, just to kick us off, Joe, um, obviously, you know, some of these words are banded around. Um, what, what, is, what, is, what does trans, transgender actually mean? <laughs> I thought it was worth... Um just mentioning this in passing, just to avoid any confusion, because a lot of people can get confused between the idea of transgender, which is to do with people's gender identity, and their sexuality, that's something completely different. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because it all gets lumped together, LGBTQIA, etc., etc., um, we can get very confused about what it actually means. But transgender is effectively somebody whose gender identity is different to the, um, the gender that they were assigned at birth. So we'll talk about my kids were assigned male at birth. That's what we thought they were, but what we found out is actually their gender identity doesn't match the outward signs of who they are. And so they actually are females and have always been females. It just wasn't what we understood them to be when they were younger. So obviously this, this happened fairly late on in their, yeah. their, their, their childhood, young adulthood. So, so how, how, did, how did you actually get to find out what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, so it was a normal school day and my youngest had been in a relationship with a girlfriend for a while and I could tell there was something that wasn't quite right um, and she was just about to go to school. I was obviously thought it was a he at that point. And um, they said, oh, things aren't going very well. So I thought, oh, you know, something coming. Um, so I said, oh, why is that then? There's <laughs> just this incredibly long, long silence. And um, obviously, you know, my training is as a, as a therapist. I'm a counsellor by training. And it took every ounce of my counselling training not to say anything because I just thought if I say something that's going to ruin the moment I've just got to let this space they'll tell me if I give them that space whatever it is that's going on I will just shut up and listen and, um, and what they said is well I think I'm a girl and honestly Chris you could have knocked me over with a feather I just, just completely it was utterly completely out of anything that I would have expected them to say. Um, and the response was, in that moment, well, I'm going to love you anyway, you know, because you do with your kids, don't you? But that was what they needed to hear. And then, right, bye, Mum, I'm off to school now. <laughs> and I will tell you a little bit more about that day during the course of the, of the talk. So, so obviously that's you call on your counselling training and, yeah. uh, and your experience in, in that. And that's led to this podcast. So can you, can you just bridge that gap and just tell us how we get from, from that moment to having a top five podcast? <laughs> so, what, so what happened is, obviously, it's, it's been a number of years now since the kids came out. And during that time, I've been through quite a lot of having to really adapt my thinking and, and processing and really wasn't ready to talk about it for a very, very long time. And, and the way it came about was um, I bought a course on book writing 
<laughs> and the first few questions were, what would you write a book on? And as I was answering these questions, what was coming up for me is I'd like to share this experience of being the mum of transgender kids. And I was really quite surprised about it because I hadn't thought that, I mean, I haven't written a book, just to, you know, that might come. <laughs> but I haven't written a book. And, um, and, that, and that just sat there. And then, I'm just trying to think of the, the time. And around November, not last year, the year before, I went on a, um, I went on coaching course. And we talked about where I was at in terms of um, what I wanted to do next with my life. And Janet, my coach, it was, it was a quite an incredible sort of moment, actually. It was three women, four women in a room together. Janet, my coach, two other women, and myself. And it was, it was like giving birth to this idea of the podcast. Janet said, you know, if you had to write a book, what would it be about? And when I said that, they said, oh, we would so love to hear your story. Um, and that's how the podcast came about. So just, yeah, tell your story. We'd love to hear it. And we're going to hear more about that story now. So I'll, I'll hand over to you now. Um, there'll be a chance for some, some questions at the end. Uh, at the end, But uh, for now, over to you, Joe. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'll just get the, uh, the, the little computer up working again, just so I can keep an eye on my notes, which I've got written down here. So you can see the Gloriously Unready, which is my lovely logo that someone designed for me. And I think the... the the thing that I'd like to say is I have had so much support and when I did the podcast and I had to listen back to it, that was one of the themes that really came out to me was about the support of people and the, um, the lady who sort of organised this logo for me, she didn't want to be paid or anything, it's sort of like this is a story that the world wants to hear and this, I believe it's actually a story that, that God wants us here as well because you know it, it's quite incredible when I look back over time to see how God has been in my life all this time and it's so lovely <laughs> I just want to say first off I've said this to a couple of people as they're arriving it's so lovely to be here in the church talking to all of you and seeing some of the faces and people who've been there for me all the way through this whole thing and just how absolutely supportive that you have been as a church family and I know Tim, who's my husband, who's here tonight, I mean we both really, really appreciate all the support that we've had from this church and I'm going to move on and, and talk to you a little bit more about that actually. Um, but really what I'm going to talk about tonight is, is just to tell a little bit about my story and what I haven't really had a chance to do, I, I, I talked a little bit about it towards the end of the podcast but the podcast was for everyone, whereas what I feel with this talk is I could really talk more about how meaningful it's been to have my faith, how meaningful it's been to have my church family, you know, how meaningful it's been that God has been in my life. I became a Christian when I was sort of 15, 16, around that sort of age, and I wouldn't say that I had a, a, a difficult childhood, but there were definitely parts of my childhood that I found hard and that needed healing. And throughout my life, I believe that, that God has been there and he's been using people in my life. And that's why I can stand up here and talk tonight, because it is through the love of God that I'm here and that I'm talking about what's happened to us. Um, it's just, you know, really... So, so vital and important to me. So the first thing I really wanted to um, share with you, Harry, if you want to move on to the next, um, the next slide. Um, this came up in church recently. I don't know if any of you recognise the verse. We had it a few, a few weeks ago. What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And I'd, I'd like to sort of come back to this sort of throughout the talk um, but this is like I think m many of us probably really identify with this verse with what we want to be as, as Christians as people of God we, we want to walk with our God you know we want mercy we want justice we want humility in our lives as well and I'm going to sort of talk a little bit more about this as we go through 
And something I thought that it might be sort of worth just spending a moment thinking about is, would I be here, would I be talking to you if my kids had come out as gay? Perhaps 20, 30 years ago, you might have had a Christian mum talking about their children being gay and what that meant to them. But nowadays, I don't think we have that same stigma towards gay people. It, it just doesn't come up for us as much. Transgender is so new to us. It's a new thing, isn't it? We haven't heard very much about it. And certainly when my kids came out, it was, it was very new to me. But wouldn't it be lovely if in 20 or 30 years, this wasn't a thing either? That we just accepted people for who they are in the same way that our church, you know, we are accepting people from all, all walks of life and, and from whatever um, diversity they've got. It would be really lovely to think that I, I wouldn't need to do this, I wouldn't need to be talking about it because when it happens, it's just, that's just the way our kids are. And there's a really fantastic TikTok video that I've seen and this is um, this man with a box of chocolates <laughs> and he's holding his box of chocolates and he picks out, you know, one of the chocolates and says, well, this is a white one <laughs> and this is a black one and this is a, a gay one. <laughs> And this is a transgender one. And every time he gets one of these chocolates out, he says, hmm, this is a good one. <laughs> and wouldn't it be lovely if that's the way we could be towards people, that we just accept people for who they are? And I think this is part of what this message is about, to walk humbly with our God, to love justice. Because I don't think we know all the answers. I really don't. And I think part of this, part of walking humbly, is to say, we don't know all the answers. We really don't. But what we do know, and I really believe this, I really don't believe that being transgender is just a phase. A lot of people um, argue it's social contagion, it's sort of liberalism gone mad, all these sorts of things. I've got two transgender children they didn't know about the other one before they came out. You know, I had one came out in the January and one came out in the May. They, they didn't know about each other. And I've also got a transgender sister. Now, I think that says quite a lot about the fact that there's maybe some sort of genetic thing going on in my family. <laughs> that, that that's the way my, my genes are. You know, I've got a, a, a transgender sister and two transgender daughters. What does that say about, about my family? And I, I don't want to go too much into it, but there's certainly transgender people will tell you that there's always been transgender people around. It's just we didn't really know about them. It hasn't been acceptable for people to come out. And what's happening now is that it is becoming, I wouldn't say easy, but perhaps easier for people to come out. So, I keep, um, my computer keeps going off. Um, so I just wanted to um, tell you a little bit about what it was like for me when the kids came out. Um, because, as I said to Chris, it was just such a shock. Um, and so Harry, if you want to go on to the next slide. Um, you know, what was it like to be told that my kids were trans? Now, it, transgender people actually find it really hard that parents struggle with the fact that they come out as transgender. Because for transgender people, they've been hiding their identity all their lives. And I've certainly spoken to people who told me that they knew they were transgender from a very, very early age. And, and some people are saying, um, there's a lovely lady I met recently who told me she's known she's transgender since she was three, but she's only come out now and she's 65. What we're doing in our society now is we're, we actually make it easier for people to come out earlier, and I think that's a good thing. But I wasn't expecting it, and I certainly wasn't expecting it of my family. I didn't want it either, because when your kids come out, it's like you've lost everything that you thought you knew. And at the time, um, one of the terms that transgender people use is they use this word dead name. And their dead name actually refers to what they were called 
as, so my kids would say what they were called as, as boys. That's their dead name. Um, and, and Tim actually said to me at the time, he said, it feels horribly appropriate to call it a dead name because it did feel like our kids had died, which is like really hard to accept because there were our kids standing in front of us. And transgender people find it really hard to hear parents say that because for them, you know, they've been hiding their identity. They haven't been able to be their true selves. And when they come out, they can just feel this enormous sense of relief. Finally, finally they can be the person who they've always been. All they're doing is they're just telling you who they are. So they come out and it's just like taking away this mask that they've been hiding behind all their lives. But you don't really feel like that as a parent. <laughs> what you feel as a parent is, I want my boy back. <laughs> I don't want my kids to be transgender. And, you know, you, you worry so much. You worry about, you know, what, what, what's their experience going to be? Are they going to be bullied? Will they get work? Will they have a partner who loves them? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to their bodies? That's one of the hardest, hardest things that, that I feel that we actually have to deal with, is what does it mean for their bodies? And what does it mean when they go on medication, for example? And so these are the typical um, phases of grieving that people go through. And I've sort of thought about it and thought, well, how many of these phases did I go through? And anybody who's, who's, who's grieved will probably be able to recognise it. But certainly for me, there was definitely that shock and denial. And also, um, the third one you can see is bargaining. And they almost sort of go together in a sense, because what you're doing is you're trying to deny the reality and you're trying to work out how you can get away without having to acknowledge that this is the way they are. And so some of the bargaining was, you know, do you have to have medication? Can't you just, you know, grow your hair long, <laughs> wear a skirt, <laughs> and just do it that way? No, 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 because for them, they have this gender dysphoria. Their bodies don't match who they are inside, so they need to have more medication and surgery. The anger part of it, it's very easy to get angry with them, with God, the world, with people who talk about transgender things. Why did it ever have to come out? <laughs> Can't it just be shoved away in the corner again? Why does it have to be my kids? <laughs> That's all the sort of anger and stuff that you go through. Um, and then it says depression, I'd say it was more sort of sadness because I had to let go of what I thought my kids were. And there were definite moments, I mean just little, little moments where we had a, um, I don't know if any of you remember this, but one of the women's conferences, they had a speaker. And <laughs> I read the, uh, the speaker's bio and I went home and cried because the speaker's bio said, this is so-and-so and she's got three boys. And I thought, I used to have three boys. I don't have three boys any longer. And it's just getting your head around those sorts of things. And I can say it now because actually over time, you know, time's a great healer, isn't it? And also, it's seen over time how things have developed for them as well. So how a lot of those fears and things that I had for them just aren't true. Yeah, I still, you know, worry about them going through their medication, I worry about them having operations. I mean, who doesn't worry about their kids? But also, we've seen the other side of what it's like for them to be themselves. And, and people comment with my oldest that they always thought of her, they always sort of saw her as quite sort of wound up. And that since she's come out as transgender, there's been this unwinding. She's much more relaxed as a person now, I think, wouldn't you say? Yeah, she's just more relaxed because she's being her. She's met someone, she's moved to the States, she's married, she's happy, she's working, she's productive, she's accepted for who she is. And then my younger daughter, when you listen to her, 
I remember reading a while back someone who said, you know, transgender people, what they go through to be able to come out, to be able to live their lives, to be able to be prepared to be ridiculed, especially transgender women, because there's a lot of ridicule out there for them. Oh, it's just a man in a dress. And that's that's the sort of, the nicer part of of the way they're spoken about. Um, You have to go through a lot to be prepared to, to live as yourself and to see my youngest daughter and to see how she's developed as a person and the stuff she's spoken about I'm just so incredibly proud of her I really am I'm so proud of, of everything that she is um, and she wouldn't be the same without having been transgender so you know we get to this last bit which is hope and I think I was talking about anger. That's almost like you can't help but feel those things. You have a response to events. But also you can give yourself a choice. There's a choice as well about how you're going to continue to live with those events. And I think for us, you know, the final part of this circle is the hope. And I I chose that picture because it is just releasing the kids into who they are and allowing them to be the people that they are. I mean, not not that they, I, I would allow them, you know, they've chosen their own thing, they're adults, they can choose. And part of the journey has been acknowledging their autonomy and acknowledging that they're adults and that they can choose their own lives. But also just sort of releasing them into that and, and choosing to see the good in the situation. Um, Harry, if you could move on to the next slide now. Um, yeah, and this is where I really sort of, you know, want to honour and acknowledge the support that I've had in the church as well. And um, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm going to move through and thinking about the church as a whole, <laughs> my small group, some of who are here tonight, and also some individuals in the church. I mean, obviously, with our church, we've got our, our statement of full inclusivity. But on that first day, when I first found out, <laughs> my friend who's at the back, she said to me afterwards, because I went round to her house and she wasn't there, and she said to me afterwards, you should have phoned me, I would have come home. <laughs> so one of my Christian friends, she said, well, I just would have come home, you know. She just phoned me. <laughs> I didn't think of that at the time. And my other friend was at work. Tim was at work. I thought, I can't phone Tim at work and say, oh, by the way, Tim. <laughs> you know, I can't keep you. I thought, I have to wait till he's at home. And that was hours away. You know, remember, she told me, sort of like, you know, half past eight in the morning. I just thought, what am I going to do? So I, I drove around to someone's house and she was out. She was at work. Me and my other friend was at work. Took the dog for a walk. Yeah, what am I going to do? So where did I come to? <laughs> came here. <laughs> this is my church. This is where I came to. And uh, went in. <laughs> is David around? You know, minister? No, no, he's out for the day. I said, well, is it okay if I just go and sit in church and pray? And the person who was the caretaker at that point came and sat with me and she said, can I pray with you? You know, the church was there for me on that day. Just someone who found that they had the time, made the time for me. You know, this, this is what the, the church gives you. My small group, Chris and Maggie and Malcolm and Alison are here tonight. So we didn't tell everybody straight away, but it got to the point where we were at naughty group, as we call it, because we always have wine and a meal together. And uh, we get to this point during the, the point of the evening where we all share about what's going on in our lives, sort of prayer requests. And, you know, our, our naughty group, we've got sort of quite similar aged children, so we always sort of share about, you know, what the children are going through. <laughs> and uh, you've got Joe and Tim. <laughs> what, 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 what do you want to pray for? <laughs> well, we, just, we, we found out, we, we've got some news from the kids. These two have told us they're transgender. There was just complete silence. <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop. 
And then Alison said, she said, well, Joe, she said, you've completely out-trumped us. <laughs> and it was just a really wonderful moment of connection because at that point we just, that was lovely, Alison, thank you. Because, you know, it just showed us that acceptance and love that was there for us and that the group were there for us. And, you know, they, they have been there for us all the way through. And, and, and I just wanted to move on as well to talk about... Harry's here. Harry's mum, Helen. Who turns up on my door. I can't remember why she was there now. She knocked on the door. It was, we think it was something to do with we were lending them the drum kit or something like that because Helen's kids are a bit younger than ours. Anyway, she popped round with something. And I said to her, you know that the kids are transgender? And she said, no, I didn't. She said, did you know I've just done a dissertation on people coming out as transgender? She said, you know, let's, let's have a chat. Um, so, Harry, if you want to move on to the next slide. Um, oh, and Helen told me a couple of things that were really, really helpful. So, Helen had done a dissertation on people coming out as transgender. And she said, do you know, Joe, that it's so, so hard for people to come out. They really risk rejection. When they come out to their family, quite often they get thrown out of home. When people come out as transgender, they get rejected. You know, they worry about things like their job and their families. And certainly, speaking to more transgender people, I spoke to a transgender woman who's my sort of age. So, you know, long, long story, but um, when she came out to her, her children, her daughter rejected her. She didn't want anything to do with her. She was too hurt. And so, um, this, this particular woman had, had a couple of years where her daughter wasn't talking to her. And they, I mean, it's got a happy ending. They did, they did actually sort the differences out. But that's what people risk when they come out. And that's what Helen told me that day. And it was really helpful because, you know, there is this question in the back of your mind, you know, are they just making it up? Are they just doing it for, I don't know, attention or it's just a phase? But knowing, hearing that from Helen was so, so helpful because it assuaged those doubts. It made me realise, no, it was really hard for the kids to come out. And so that helped me a lot in knowing that they really, really meant it. And, you know, seven or eight years later, they haven't changed their minds. Um, so that was the first thing that Helen said to me. And the other thing she said to me, which it's taken me a long time to actually acknowledge and accept, is she said, in that moment that the kids told you that they were transgender and you responded to them with love, she said, in that moment, you didn't really have time to think about it. What was inside you is what came out. And what was inside you was love. And it sort of feels slightly narcissistic, actually, to stand up here and tell you that I had this wonderful response. <laughs> but, you know, it comes back again to, to the love of God and to the love of the church. I'm just going to get my slides up because... This is the bit that's important. I don't want to forget it. <laughs> um, don't even think it's on this slide, actually. I think it's on the next one. But I've been helped so much. You know, I told you that I became a Christian when I was 15, 16. I've had youth leaders, I've had um, people who've been prepared to spend time praying with me. Yeah, I've been in some really wonderful churches when I was a young woman and I was really lonely and I lived in London by myself, went along to this big church and they accepted me into the church. You know, we've been in this church since 2000, which is really scary, isn't it? Um, but all through my life, I've been supported by people in the church and it's because of people in the church that I was able to still say what I've said because I've always been looked after by people in the church. <laughs> I've always received love from people in the church and also 
I've received love from people who aren't in the church, but I believe that love is from God and that we express love. And when we express love, we're actually expressing the love of God. You know, I've had therapists who probably wouldn't call themselves Christians, but they've helped me heal as well. And it's that love of God that enables us to be loving to other people. And I actually believe that, you know, why I'm here today is because God's prepared me all the way through. Because God's been in my life for that long. You know, he's the one. It's God who, who is love. And we're created in God's image. He's actually created us to be loving. And that's what's so, so sort of important, I think, to remember, that God's helped us like that. And I, I, I put these, these things up on this slide. So on the one hand, um, you've got a little um, stamp that says approved or rejected, because that's how transgender people, when they come out, they're often um, rejected. And Micah 6.8 asks us to show mercy to people. And I think us as a church family, with our inclusivity policy, is really important because we can actually be family for transgender people. And, And I hope that we will be a beacon for transgender people who they know that they can come here and receive acceptance and receive mercy as well. Um, I think it's really important as a church to recognise that humility as well, that we don't know all the answers. I I don't know all the answers. I don't know why we are the way we are. (laughs) But I think it's... I, I think part of the problem which we see, and it's happening a lot over in the States at the moment, is people who are very dogmatic about what is and isn't Christian. And I think it's really problematic, and I don't think it's, a, it's a particularly a witness. Um, and I think we don't know the answers. And I think it's really important for us to, to walk humbly with our God and to acknowledge that we don't know the answers, that we may have believed a particular way of being with the right way about it, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that we're learning about people that somehow we have to adapt to. And that's, that's part, partly as well, I think, there's space for us for justice. And I, I partic- don't particularly <laughs> want to be a trans activist. I, I really don't, and especially if you go on Twitter, which I, I do because it's sort of horribly fascinating but pretty awful, <laughs> is the polarisation of the debate on Twitter is just absolutely dreadful. And you find yourself being pushed, you know, either way, into this very sort of either anti or, or sort of pro. And I wish there was more room to be somewhere in the middle to actually listen to people's concerns. But I think it's, it's really important to acknowledge that transgender people are a very, very small minority of people in the country. Tim and I were looking today at um, some statistics. So the recent survey of uh, the census that came out last year said that 0.5% of the population filled the survey to say that they were transgender. Now, 0.5% of the population in the UK is 260,000 people. So 260,000 people in the UK identify as transgender. (laughs) This is where you're going to be shocked. In January alone, just in January, there was 1,200 articles written about transgender people. Tim worked it out. He's the mathematician in the family. (laughs) That's one article every month for every 200 people. Can you imagine, in our church, 
if they wrote an article about us every month. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like maybe two articles a month or something like that. I mean, it, it's just crazy. There is such a big panic about transgender people at the moment. One of the things that, you know, obviously we've had the, um, the gender recognition reform up in Scotland. Huge, huge debate. What does it actually do? It allows transgender people to have the death certificate recording them as, as if, they're, if they were born assigned male at birth. It allows their death certificate to say they're female. Doesn't, it, it, it's about, it makes it easier for them to get married as a female if they identify as female. That's what the gender recognition certificate is about. But you'd never know that from the way the politics is talked about. You'd think it was about male predators. And this is what really upsets me because my, I didn't bring my kids up <laughs> to be predators. They're not predators. And that's the way they're presented. And I think this is where, you know, when we're talking about justice, I think that's unjust. I think what's going on today is unjust. But I didn't really mean to get into the politics. <laughs> but it's almost sort of like, I've got a bit of time, so I'm going to anyway. So, <laughs> if you don't like that bit, just <laughs> forget about it. Um, but this is really sort of like, really where I want to um, sort of uh, move on to. So, Harry, if you go on to the next slide. In the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. I mean, I'm talking about just my experience, what it was like for me when my kids came out as transgender. And I think it's interesting because it's unusual. But I wonder, I expect every single one of you here has had something in their lives that's been difficult to deal with. Because we all do. That's part of being human, isn't it? We all have something. And there's a very famous, um, a very famous therapist called Irvin Yalom. And we all sort of have to read his book. First, first year of counselling studies, everybody reads um, Irvin Yalom's book. I can't remember the name of it now. But he says in there, everybody, <laughs> everybody has something that happens in their lives, don't they? Everybody has some sort of difficulty. You know, it might be a difficult experience in childhood. It might be the death of someone close to you. We've got very, very dear friends. They're, they're um, daughters exactly the same age as our oldest two. I mean, literally, first two were born on the same day. Second two were born a day apart. Mark and Alison, our kids came out as transgender and their second daughter was killed by a car accident that year. You know, we all have something, don't we, where something happens that we have to cope with. And I think this is the most important thing about what I've learned through my experience. Because part of me, you know, you read the Irving Yalom, and you read that everybody goes through this, and then you think, oh no, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> and is it, is it them being transgender? I don't know. Perhaps um, something even worse will happen, I don't know. But it's at this moment where I believe you're presented with a choice. It doesn't feel like a choice. It doesn't feel like you have a choice at all because you don't have a choice over the circumstances that happen in your life. But where we find that we've got an invincible summer inside us is the way in which we can respond to those things that happen to us. We may not want it, but we can think about how we're going to respond to it. And when my kids came out and I was going through that shock and denial, I really didn't know what to think. I didn't have, I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing about being transgender. And also, I mean, some people go away and they research it, they read about it, they try and find out as much about it. I couldn't do that, I was too upset. I just couldn't face it. I didn't want to read about it. I didn't want to know and I still don't really know a lot about 
the sorts of things that happen for a gender reassignment surgery. You know, I, I know a lot more about it than I did then, but I really, I just, I just didn't want to know about it. I really did not want to know about it. So I was in sort of shock and denial for, for a while, but the one thing that kept me going was thinking, I'm going to choose to love them. That's what I choose. That's my choice. What, what do they need? So almost in a sense, don't think about me, think about them and what they need. And that's what kept me going. And it was sort of like, in those moments where I was feeling it was really difficult and where I was struggling with it, it's what do they need? How can I help them? And having that at the front of mind was what really got me through. And the funny thing about that was the confidence that that gave me, actually. Like Helen said, you know, that, that was what was inside you. And, and as this quote says, in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And that's putting it in a, in a very um, secular way, I suppose you could say. But I think as Christians, what we really believe is that what is within us is the love of God, is the power of God, that God is there with us. And I refer to the fact that I was in this big church when I was, when I was um, in London in my early 20s. And we had a, an 80th birthday for the, um, the vicar's wife, Marigold. And I went back there about pre-pandemic, so a little while ago now. And I went back to that church and they started singing. They even got the original group together. <laughs> Malcolm and Claire, I still remember them. So they got Malcolm and Claire to do the music. And we started singing and it was like, yep, I've come home. <laughs> you can take the girl out to St Mark's, but you, you know, you can't take St Mark's out of the girl. And I remember, I mean, Nicholas, the vicar, he's, he's died now. But when I actually left the church, he came to pray with me. And he kept saying to me over and over again, God will never fail you nor forsake you. And he just really, really wanted me to know that. And I was 23, something like that at the time. But that's what was there. That's what he really wanted me to know. And, and I think when we are faced with these difficulties, it may not feel like it at the time, but God is there with us. He doesn't fail or forsake us. We don't necessarily want what's there. But what's there, what's happening to us, can be something that God can use in our lives. And that's why I'm here, really, because God is, God is using it in my life. And, and that gives me a sense of meaning and purpose. And I think, you know, I can use my experience to help perhaps other parents who are going through the same thing, perhaps helping other people who are going through stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is helpful. Hopefully it is. But, um, yeah, it, it's just sort of like holding on to that, holding on to the fact that the love of God is there. When I was talking about this with Tim, it just seemed particularly relevant to Lent, actually. Because in this Lent period, we're preparing for Easter, aren't we? And it's almost like, which side of Easter do we want to stand? You know, do we want to stand on the Lent side, which is all very useful. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I sort of don't want to, um, you know, downplay Lent, but it's a preparation, isn't it? But we could also be on the side of Easter. And what does Easter actually mean? <laughs> Easter actually means new life, doesn't it? It means hope, it means rebirth. And this stuff, this fear and doubt and despair, that is actually what Jesus has released us from. Because actually, when we have Easter, we get the chance to live in this new life that he's actually given to us. And this is the invincible summer. <laughs> this, is the, this is the joy and the hope that God actually gives us through Easter. And I think at that point, I'm going to stop there and let Chris come up and do some more comparing. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll, have a few, we'll have a few opportunities to ask, uh, ask some questions. But just, 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 just before that, I, I might kick off with a couple here. Yeah. 
And I'm going uh, to ask you a two-tier question, which I know you shouldn't do, really. But, uh, um, you talked a little bit about um, your experience with the church um, and with, with the people in the church. Can you, can you say a little bit about what us, what us having a diversity statement means to you? Mm. And then the second tier of that question is, well, what, what more can we do? Yeah. So, the, obviously, the equality and diversion, diversion, diversity, <laughs> that, that came in sort of after we'd, our kids had been here. But I think for me and for other people in the congregation who have, say, children or relatives who come somewhere in the LGBTQI spectrum, it's really helpful because it means, A, it means we can bring our kids to church, and it's a witness to them, actually, that our church is inclusive. Um, I mean, it, it just means such a lot when I talk to people that I can be open about my faith, and I don't have to be ashamed. <laughs> I don't have to hide. I don't have to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I know, I know it's a bit dodgy, this bit. No, it's no, we're fully inclusive. We've thought it through. We've accepted it as, as a family, as a congregation. And that, that's just so, so sort of like affirming for me and for people that, I, that I'm with. And it's, it's just such a witness to people. It really is. Thank you. And, and, and how could we take that? I mean, is there anything we, need, we can do to, to, to push that forward? And, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's lots of sort of little things that people think, well, why, why, why should I do, need to do this? But, um, and I haven't really started doing it myself very much yet, but it sounds daft, but the thing about pronouns is quite important. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I'm on Zoom, I'm Josephine, brackets, she, her. Um, and I haven't quite got used to it, but some people would, would say that you should introduce yourself as, you know, I'm Josephine, I'm she, her. <laughs> and that, that feels like very awkward for all of us to do. But I think perhaps if we could start thinking about pronouns. The reason we use these pronouns, and you sort of think, well, it's a bit, a bit ridiculous. Yeah, why do we need to do that? Isn't it a bit woke? But um, it's to make it easier for transgender people to be able to tell us what their pronouns are so that we don't make assumptions about people depending on what they look like. And um, that, that might be helpful. And then the other thing, <laughs> it always comes back to toilets. Um, <laughs> great if we had some gender-neutral toilets as well. Just, just so people, I mean, I, I think, you know, really, really and truthfully, transgender women would like to be able to go and use the ladies' loose. Simple as that. And they don't represent a risk. And I think, you know, we should just accept that trans women need to use women's toilets and trans men need to use men's toilets. But sometimes it can be helpful to have gender-neutral as well. So, small points, but important. Thank you. Um, and I know I don't need to say this, but obviously having you talk to us like this is a real help in, in understanding mm -hmm. that. Um, okay, so um, I can throw this open now. If you've got any questions, I will uh, run over with the microphone. Or I might walk briskly rather than run. <laughs> but uh, um, please raise your hand if, you, if you'd like to ask. Okay, here we go. Okay. Hello, Joe. Thanks so much. That's been really, really good to listen to. I just was wondering, bearing in mind I was, um, I think, the power source leader when your children were in power source, do they still have a connection in the church? Not really, no, no. We wanted to be talking to them about it. <laughs> but yeah, the, old, the oldest is, um, is actually very spiritual and um, in all sorts of different ways. Um, and the youngest keeps very quiet, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Low profile, yeah. Paul? Oh. Same question. <laughs> any, other, any other questions? Oh. David. Uh, Joe, you, um, you mentioned in your talk that there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff being published about the trans issue at the moment. Um, quite a lot of the articles that are uh, rather critical uh, are pointing towards what's going on in our schools, especially junior schools, where mm. um, children at quite a young age are sort of made aware of 
the trans situation. Um, I'd just like to know from your perspective, what, what's your take on that? Should we be worried about what's going on in schools? It, it, it's, it's such an sort of interesting question, isn't it? Because But think, think carefully about how I want to answer this. I'm going to answer it with a little tale. So, my friend's daughter is gay. She's just about to get married to her partner. And my friend, when my kids came out as transgender, she's really supportive. You know, really sort of like listened to everything, listened to all my shock and all the rest of it. Really, really supportive. So when her daughter came out as gay, I thought, oh, she probably needs the same sort of support as me. I thought, well, how, how do you feel about her coming out as gay? And she said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and it was just sort of like, yeah, she's gay. And I think, you know, we're, we're moving to this place where we accept the sort of LG part of the LGBTQ equation. We haven't quite got there with the T. And when you talk to transgender people, a lot of them do know at quite a young age that they're transgender. And effectively what we're doing is we're bringing kids up the other way. We're actually, you know, in some ways we're denying the fact that they could be transgender. And I think part of the reason why there's so many people coming out as transgender now, and I think the reason why it took my kids until their late teens, early 20s to come out, they didn't have the language for it. And what's happening is we're beginning to get more language for it. And I think we've had a society where people have been really, really hidden. And I think what's happening now is, is, is we are becoming a society where people are able to come out at a much earlier age. And so I think what LGBTQ people would argue is not that it's a problem that kids are finding out about it at school. It's actually more of a problem that they haven't known before. And I read a really sort of shocking thing. It shocked me because it really, really made me think. As, as a sort of, um, you know, we, we have this expression, cis, and cisgender is effectively, that means that you identify with what you were assigned at birth. So, so I'm, I'm a cisgender woman. I was born a woman, I identify as a woman. Tim is a cisgender man. Born as a man, identifies as a man. And that, that's just the way we think, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the way we expect society to be. And um, there's been some research done by somebody who's listened to transgender people. And as a, as a sort of cisgender parent, you know, the idea that your children will be tra transgender is fairly shocking and you don't want it to happen. And you might say to your children, you've got to wait, you've got to make sure, let's, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. This is where I, I get probably a little bit controversial, I might be too much for you. But um, this research where they talked to transgender people, was a transgender person said, you know, my parents kept saying, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait and they imposed on me a puberty that was wrong for me. And that's a fairly controversial thing to say, I know, but I think I don't think we actually know how many transgender people there are, and we might go through a phase where more people come out than actually are transgender. But certainly I've spoken to people um, who say, you know, make such a big thing out of it. Perhaps we should just let people identify, not make a big thing out of it, and then they can change their minds again afterwards if they need. So I, I don't think it is a problem, actually. I think it's actually redressing, redressing a, a role in that, you know, we've just had this tunnel vision. Not, it's not anybody's fault. It's just that's the way that we are. And if you sort of trace it back in history, it goes back to um, sort of Victorian times when we imposed our way of being on the rest of the world. Um, and there are other cultures where being transgender was much more accepted, and that's almost become sort of like 
weeded out almost by, by our colonialism. And, and I think, you know, we're beginning, we're beginning to change back. That's quite a controversial opinion, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> With regard to what Peter was saying earlier, um, do you think that in the future, if not now, I don't know, but in Sunday school, I call it Sunday school, and also the teenagers in the youth, do you think it's something that we're going to have uh, somebody in place to answer these questions from these youngsters? You know, the, you know asking about uh, trans and yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> they don't really ask us about it so much as tell us about it at the moment, don't they? I think it's the other way around. In that, in place to answer, answer their questions and guide them. I, I think probably what what our young people need to know, as much as anything, is that they're loved for who they are. You know, and um, I think that would be the most important thing. And and hopefully having having Harry, who's fairly young, <laughs> um, that will help a lot actually. You know, having having someone who's sort of in touch with 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 young people. I mean, the really interesting thing that we've found, sort of, you know, talking to our kids, is just how accepting that generation is of each other. You know, like I sort of talk about, you know, we we worry, oh, you know, who's going to. Um, <laughs> Who's going to love our kids if they're, you know, these sort of weird transgender types? <laughs> and it's just not the case at all. I mean, you know, young people are just so much more accepting of, of difference than I think we were ever brought up to be. You know, we just, we just, we weren't brought up like that, were we? Um, and, and I think they, if, if they do have questions, I think the kids will have questions about, you know, how, how can I have a faith if I'm transgender or if I'm, if I'm gay? How does that fit in? I think those are the questions that they'll, they'll ask. And I think, I think it would be great if we could have an answer that, yeah, it's okay and that we accept you as you are. Probably got time for one, one last question. One you say you were obviously very shocked and had absolutely no idea. Yeah. Looking back, can you do you feel differently that you you would look at them and think, well, maybe this happened, or maybe I could have picked up on yeah on that. I mean, it's really interesting because um, our oldest told me that they felt like that all through their childhood, and I found it really difficult to believe because I've never seen any signs of it. <laughs> so I think with her, it was much less. I would never have guessed. With my youngest, she did have, I wouldn't say mannerisms as such, but I used to think, I wonder if she's gay. I used to sort of think, I wonder if she's gay. And I remember telling a friend about her, her being transgender, and my friend saying to me, because she, she was someone I was really friendly with when the kids were at primary school together, and she said, yeah, but you used to say you did wonder if she'd be gay. So you were nearly there. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the signs were there, but I think because I didn't really know anything about transgender, it, it didn't occur to me that that was what it was. When did you, you think that, you're, that you've answered that, that they were quite young, when they know? Yeah, know. I mean, certainly with the oldest, she says she's known all the time, since she was very little. And then my youngest, um, she always knew she felt different, but she couldn't put, put it into words. And she said for her, it was like she was reading something and it was literally like a penny dropped. And it was one of those sort of life-changing moments. She said she moved from not knowing to knowing. And then she thought, oh no, <laughs> where do I go with this? It was literally like the scales fall from her eyes and she realised and, and she just knew. She knew that was the explanation for her. It's easier for the next generations coming up because we are discussing these I things think now. So. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, so yeah. Will be so helpful. Yeah. To lots of people, yeah. I just think we're going through a backlash though at the moment. You know, people are people are worried. They think everybody's going to be transgender and mm. what's going to happen. And you know, and I and there is just this this panic about it. 
we were lucky when our kids came out before that all happened. Yeah. But it's the last few years, there's been so much in the media about it. It all takes time. It yeah. All takes time. Very much for that. I think um, I think you'll all agree that was that was a thoroughly fascinating um, hour, I suppose. Um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I'm going to be a bit controversial. I think you know. I think we should show our appreciation for that. So. Thank you. And let's just, uh, let, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that we've come to this place where we know that you love us all, Father. We, we all have access to the same grace and forgiveness and love. Father, we thank you that you never fail us. You never leave us. And that you'll walk beside us as we journey together with you. Father, as we leave tonight, we pray that you will help us to strive for justice and mercy. We thank you. We thank you that you walk with us and we think we ask you that you would help us to, to, to walk humbly with you and as it says in Micah and to seek justice and mercy. Father we just ask you now to, to bless us uh, each one of us and everybody who we come into contact with. We ask that we will radiate that, that love and grace and forgiveness Father of a of a God who, who cares for all of us and just wants to be there to throw your arm around us and, and welcome us into your kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>